Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. New VanCast to take you into the weekend and you go into the weekend coming off a 6-3 Vancouver Canuck victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Tom, I'm a little worried about this because, look, one of the things that we like to do here on the VanCast is we try to have some fun, even through the darkness and there's been enough of it this season I kind of feel like the Canucks are cutting us out here, the middlemen. Like, we're the ones that are supposed to bring the joy to the VIPs, but uh, the Canucks had fun last night. You heard it, well, you saw it on the ice, but you heard it post-game as well. Like, a bunch of them, they used that word. They talked about the fact that it was fun. Winning's fun. They haven't done a lot of winning. Uh, they did some winning last night in Edmonton. Oh, I mean, for much of this much of this season, which has been a, you know, solemn march through a condensed weird schedule with a variety of underlying contextual darkness uh, against the backdrop of a third wave that has hit our country a lot harder than an awful than most especially in North America yeah I mean the van cast has been like Tyler Gravick powering forward alone (laughs) (laughs) with a series of sublime moves scoring an unreal highlight Um, yesterday was yesterday's game was awesome awesome and so it was my wife's birthday, J-Pat. So I had this weird experience where I didn't watch a single highlight. I hadn't seen a single thing about it. Um, I was off Twitter all night. And then at you know 4 a.m., my dog woke up, uh, took him outside briefly, and then, I, and then I watched the game. I watched the game. Before, so I, so I'm, I'm able to do this podcast having fully watched the game. And it's not just the fact that the Canucks were scoring like crazy. Um how good were McDavid and Dreisaitl last night? Like they scored, they scored the 19. I know, I know, I know this is not what Canucks fans want to hear. And I apologize, but, but I, I'm, I'm literally just finished watching the game. And the one thing I'm like jaw dropped about is like, they scored the 1987 Canada cup goal. <laughs> they scored the Lemieux Gretzky last night. And no one's ever going to think about it or talk about it again, but they scored that they, they had the through the legs drop, one time, they scored the Canada Cup goal. How is that not something we have to talk about? Like They literally did the Gretzky-Lemieux from the other side of the ice, of course, as their lefties. Right. But my God. That was your takeaway at four in the morning, was that you, you re-witnessed history. I saw it, and I was just <laughs> like, holy cow, they scored the Canada Cup goal. That's insanity. Um, yeah, that was, my, that was one of my takeaways anyway. That was the thing that I like, that like propped me up a bit more on my couch at 5 30 in the morning i was like "Ooh, this is good and i knew they weren't going to come back so it wasn't i wasn't like oh well that's you know i'm sure most canucks fans saw that and were like well well you know i didn't have that experience i was just like wow what a goal what a 4-1 goal that's the best 4-1 goal he'll see in the nhl this year my goodness um but yeah i mean what incredible talents and then look great to see jack rathbone have a game like that that was awesome and uh, and the Highmore line, the Highmore Howerluck Grayovac line. I had a guy. I had a guy on Twitter tweet at me this. J Pat. He tweeted at me. Uh, let me quickly find it. Howerluck Grayovac Highmore. What you got to say about the bottom six now? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, I, I've got to say that uh, this group of six players doubled their points haul for this Canucks team. Um, in the 48th game of the season, like, I don't know what else you want me to say, but, but look, that line has been bringing it in terms of consistent effort. Like much of this Canucks team has, um, 
they broke out. They broke out yesterday, and and you got to be happy for for this Canucks team, especially with how they've worked throughout this losing streak, right? Like, this has not been an effort-driven losing streak. This has not been a team that's at any point folded up their tent. They got rewarded. They deserve to have some of that fun. Yeah, let's just go right back to the first minute, because Hoaglander gets the party started. He gets his 10th of the year, and, you know, I like the shot. I Honestly, though, Tom, I, I thought there was a moment there on that play that kind of signaled that maybe the Oilers thought it was going to be easy after beating the Canucks twice. Like the defensive play by Jesse Pugliarvi, he does the yep. big swoop there. Like there isn't much effort in trying to, uh, you know, take away the time or space from Hoaglander. It was just the old flyby. And I don't know, like, I mean, the Oilers are just beating the Canucks twice. They know what the Canucks have been through. Uh, it, it looked to me in the first minute of play, like that kind of signaled that maybe the Oilers thought it was going to be another easy night. Maybe it was just Pugliarvi. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it was just a flashback to old Pugliarvi. Whatever the case, that was kind of my read on it. But I don't want to take anything because Hoaglander makes a nice move to pull the puck around him and then gets the shot away. And look, the guy's into double digits now in a shortened season. Like, you know, sort of a 20-ish goal pace as a raw rookie at 20 years old. Like, we've talked him up a ton on the pod, but, you know, I'm glad for him. Like, I'm sure there is some real significance to him uh, getting to double digits in his rookie season. And there's still time to go. He can add to that, but... Uh, that got the ball rolling, and then from there, obviously, you mentioned Rathbone. Like, and, and I, I want to couch this properly because this isn't in any way designed to be a slight on a guy like Jalen Chatfield, but here's Rathbone in his second NHL game, reads and reacts beautifully, recognizes that the puck is there, that he can jump up, and then shows finish. And like we've talked about like, Chatfield, like they're different players, but Jalen Chatfield's gone three years of professional hockey at two different levels without putting a puck in the net. And here's this guy in Rathbone that, you know, we we raved about his debut the other night, didn't look out of place, didn't look overwhelmed by the moment, and in his second game, in his fourth period in the National Hockey League, pounces on a loose puck and, you know, shows terrific finish, but I love the anticipation, the read. Tom, the guy's got three goals and ten points in ten games as a pro. Like, there is, there's yeah. something there. <laughs> there. There is something there. Um... Yes. Okay. So let's start with the Hoaglander because I had the same takeaway. And uh, and here was my takeaway. I watched it and I thought, wow, great move by Hoaglander. That was my first. I was like, wow, what a slippery take. Like, what a shot fake to send a guy like that. And then I saw the highlight. Right. And it's really a, it, like it's a nice stop start. Right. Like it's a good move with his feet. But he didn't really have to do anything with his hands. It was just a basic forehand deke. Like, he just sort of had to stop. And that completely threw the Oilers' defenders. Um, so that was, you're right. Like, that was not not dialed in. Um, getting ready for the playoffs, Oilers' defense. Attention Let's put it that way. That details. was not. Yeah. That, that, Dave Tippett <laughs> always has his play, teams play disciplined. Um, that was not that. Uh, but it was still, you know, a, a nice bit of work from Hoaglander and, and a great shot. Um, Rathbone. Rathbone is good. Like, Rathbone is good. And more than that, more than that, J-Pat, whether it's Chatfield, whether it's Yolevi, right? Right now, the Canucks protect the hell out of their third pair. Like, how many... I bet you Jack Rathbone didn't hit three combined minutes against McDavid and Dreisaitl in two games, right? Like, the Canucks work hard to make sure that Edler and Hamannick and... You know, sometimes Schmidt Myers um, see the top of opponents' rosters, right? Like they work hard to protect their third pair this season. They have all season long, and that creates a, a favorable environment for a player like Rathbone, for a player like Chatfield, for a player like Yolevi. And to this point in the season, no one's been able to do anything with that time. This has been a common refrain for me on this podcast. Like you need to be pushing the river or producing offense, or contributing massively on special teams, if you're going to play those types of soft minutes at this level, Rathbone clearly has the skill set to do it. The question is, how good can he be defensively? I still think we've seen some moments in the defensive zone in his two games where it's like, okay, there's going to be some work there, right? Like, there's going to need to be a little bit of improvement. But one thing I think the Canucks and, you know, Utica Comets staff, too, have worked really hard with uh, Rathbone on um, is is sort of quieting his feet. Like the thing about a guy like Rathbone who can skate all day 
is sometimes you trust that you can skate all day. You do the old Ed Jovanovsky quick recovery. Um, you know, remember how remember how Ed Jovanovsky just like was so good at making desperation defensive plays, but he always had to be because he'd always made the turnover, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. um, you know, he was an instinctive player, and and let's be clear, like obviously one of the five or ten best defensemen in Canucks history, probably probably the top five. So, uh, so I'm not I'm not slighting my good buddy Ed uh, so much as I'm just saying, you know, that's a that's a thing that Rathbone is has a tendency to do. Through these first two games, um, he's had quiet feet, quiet feet in the neutral zone. I think he's played within himself, and I think he's been applying a lot of what the Canucks want from him away from the puck while also still flashing some of the dynamism up front. Like, it hasn't taken away from what he can do. That's a really good sign uh, in the you know outset of his NHL career. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting, uh, Travis Green, uh, after the morning skate in Edmonton, before the game, uh, was asked about... You know, how do you evaluate young players in the midst of this chaos that is the Canucks season, right? Like things aren't going the Canucks way, but you're trying to assess and evaluate. And the question was about both Cole Lind and Jack Rathbone. And, you know, a lot of times, like earlier in the week, Travis Green was asked, do you have a plan for Jack Rathbone? And, you know, we've got a plan. We've got a plan for everybody. You know, it was just sort of like he didn't want to tip his hand. I thought it was really instructive yesterday when he said, you know, with a guy like Rathbone, the the plan basically is they're going to play him a handful of games in a row here, let him build up a body of work at the NHL level, and then they'll probably sit him down. And that's twofold. One is they've got back-to-back games in Winnipeg, so it wouldn't surprise me if he sits one of those. And I know people are like, just keep playing them. They do want to get Ulevi, and they don't want Ulevi to sit for the rest of the season. But also, Travis said, like, you know, we'll build up a, a body of work, that then we can go over with Jack Rathbone, you know, on video and the coaches can work through it. And and I thought, like, that makes some sense to me. Like, he's going to get games in. If he has to sit one or two the rest of the way, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for him, but they've got a few guys that they want to take a look at. But I, I just, I like the fact that Travis kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit on, you know, how they're going to work with him with eight games to go here uh, over the remainder of the season. Well, and so here's the there is real cap ramifications to playing things this way to JPAT, which we should quickly discuss, which is Yolevi has played 21 games to become eligible for a schedule. He has a schedule a bonus in his deal, um, a, a standard one that all NHL defensemen have, where if he's among the top three defensemen on his team by plus minus, having played a sufficient number of games he earns one of his uh, schedule A bonuses. Now that's you know a hundred or two hundred twelve five hundred. Right. So it's like two one two point five k, but it's prorated this season by a factor of seventy percent. So it's closer to one hundred and fifty k. Nonetheless, that is one hundred and fifty k bonus. Yolevi currently plus three, basically a lock to hit it. Right, like unless unless Nate Schmidt. Unless Nate Schmidt's minus one and Travis Hamannick at minus two pass Yolevi, like both would have to, um, the Canucks will be on the hook for this. Now, because the Canucks are in LTI, that gets applied entirely to next season, right? So it's like a penalty, basically, an overage penalty that will impact the Canucks cap and cost them, you know, just under 100, just shy of 150K on next year's cap, should Yolevi hit it. In order to hit it, Yolevi needs to play seven more games. The Canucks have eight games remaining. So Mm. um, there's real Ah. money on the line here. If Jack Rathbone gets into even two and the rest of Vancouver's left side D stay healthy, like there's real money on the line for Canucks ownership and real money on the line for real cap money on the line for the Canucks into next season. Ah, all right. Well, that's uh, really interesting and certainly something to watch. And there's, I mean, Rapone's going to play more than <laughs> that's, one. That's a VanCast special. Yes. Where else are you going to no, hear that's that? Terrific. <laughs> so, so let me throw this one at you. Do you see any way? And again, Montreal lost and the Canucks win, so the Canucks are not mathematically eliminated with eight to go. It's coming. It's going to happen. It could happen by the weekend. Here, uh, there will be. Are they? Are they? Are they dead? Is their tragic number under two? It's. Uh, any combination of three points. So the okay. tragic number is really one and a half. Uh, but yeah. if Montreal had won 
and the Canucks had only picked up a single point last night, they would have been mathematical. So, like, they're, they're, the margin for error. It's not happening. We've been saying that for a while. But <laughs> but truly mathematically, when they get to that point, and there's a little X beside the Montreal Canadiens and the four are set in the north, do you think there's a chance in any of these remaining games that the Canucks' left side is Hughes, Rathbone, Yulevi? Zero. Zero percent. You can't go to Edler and you can't go to Edler who's out of contract after this year and say, hey, we're sitting you. Edler could come to them and say, hey, I'm tired. I'd like a game. And they'd say, of course, Alex Edler, best Canucks defenseman of all time. Um, Sure, no problem. But, you know, unless you sign the guy to an extension, I don't think you can ask him to sit. Not, not when he's a player with that stature and he's out of contract. No way. Even in those back-to-backs against Calgary that are going to look and feel just wrong. Like well, if Edler comes to them and looks at, looks at, gives them the look he gave us on the elevator, right? Like, <laughs> oh boy. Ah. Um, then yes, but but it has to, it's Edler who has to initiate it. They're not going to go to Edler, nor should they go to Edler. Um, th- this isn't something I like know. This is just something I know. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I haven't talked to anyone about it. I'm just... I know how these things work. If Edler wants to play, Edler will play. They will not approach him and ask him not to play. For sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We talk about Edler, and we've kicked Travis Hamannick's topic around as well here on the pod. Uh, what a night for him. Uh, by the way, the goal, the assist, the fight, getting it all done uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. And, and like maybe they were overdue, Tom, but to have three guys score their first goals of the season and another get his second in the same game, I I do have to say, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but you think about since COVID, like the Canucks have, maybe they should, like, I'm just saying the odds probably were in their favor that there was going to be a night where they ran into goaltending like that. Because if you think since COVID... They've seen David Riddich twice, Marcus Hogberg three times, and last night was their second look, again, since the COVID break, at Koskinen. Not exactly a murderer's row of NHL goalies. Koskinen is good. (laughs) He wasn't last night. I I like Koskinen. Koskinen is good. Um, I saw some people being like, that contract, oh boy. And it's like, Koskinen's been good. Like, when is anyone... Koskinen has been good. I also feel for him. Okay, so here's the other thing. Like, I knew that the Canucks were going to score four goals on four shots. I'd seen enough chatter to know that. And then I watched the game, and I felt for Koskinen. Like, that did not look as bad as I expected it to, including the, um, you know, including the Jace Howerluck goal, which really goes right through him. Yeah. and and sort of here's my here's my quick sense. First of all, that is a crazy broken play that Hoaglander starts the third goal with that excellent move, like just completely shaking Nurse on the wall, right? Just completely shakes him with an excellent power move. I mean, how many how many inches and combined pounds does Nurse have on Hoaglander? He just completely dummies him on the wall. Besser doesn't get everything on a pass, right? So Koskinen pushes way too quickly aside expecting it to be relatively quick and then is just sort of overcommitted as the puck glides slowly to Hamannick, rolling gently. He should make that save, don't get me wrong, but that was a weird position to be in. And then the Howerluck goal, I think he expects the shot way faster. Like, he just expects the shot to come and he you can right. see him. He goes down to save it and then he, he has to get up. back up and he has to go yeah. back down again and then he gets back up and then the shot comes. And this is because... The pass is bouncing into the slot. Um, Howerluck whiffs on it once, goes down. Then Howerluck tries to take the shot again, and an Oilers player's stick gets in the way. And and uh, Koskin goes down again, gets up. Quick reaction move. And then Howerluck fights through the stick and then gets it off. And it's just like such a weird play. Like, it's just such a weird timing play. 
Um, you know, look, he should have had it. I mean, he should have still had that. It went right through his five hole. That's the type of goal that, you know, you, you give up when it's really not your night. But and anyway, I feel for him. Those, those were not as simple as like bang, bang, bad saves um, or bad plays on the goalie. I don't think, I don't think you could say he had a, a real shot. The defending on one was bad. The, the, I don't think you can say he had a shot on the how a real chance on the Howard luck on the Rathbone goal. Excuse me. Those last two looked bad, but weren't as bad as they looked for me. Um, I kind of felt for him ultimately. And, and here's the last thing. I believe that Koskinen is a better option for the goal, Oilers in the playoffs than Mike Smith. So in the event that Koskinen's performance last night, dense Edmonton's confidence playing Koskinen over Mike Smith, Let's them buy into the like Mike Smith's got that playoff swagger um, narrative, which is complete BS. Uh, then it's a possibility that the Canucks will have significantly harmed the Oilers' playoff chances last night. The Van Cast, where you come for your Miko Koskinen hot takes. I like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, just, I, I just, I just no, felt no. for him. I just felt for him. I'll say the the Hamonic goal, like he gets a ton of it. Like you know, it got a. Canuck bounce and Hamonic will take it, but like Koskinen gets a big piece of it. It goes up over over his shoulder and in the air. And, I know. and you're right. I mean, the the, the Howerlick goal, a little bit of a change up there. But when you've allowed three, uh, you to have, have to have that one. one. Ramp you're right. up your stick and go five hole. Like yeah. Dave Tippett's post game, he was like, uh, first one not a great defensive play, second one bad giveaway, the other two. <laughs> he, <did>. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't having it. No, he wasn't having um, any of it. But but I actually think the worst goal to allow for a goalie was the Gravac goal. And and the Gravac goal was like a marvel of physics. Like by the time he shoots it, you can see a full slot of white yeah. between between the goal line, Completely. right? The goal line as it ex- and and um it was fully below the goal line. Yeah, yeah. It was like like parallax it was the parallax goal and and the fact that he was is like a self face off win he wins like 250-50 battles on his way rampaging <laughs> down that left wing and then scores from a, from an angle that defies physical like my my physical understanding of the game of hockey like incredible what an incredible play that was if 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 he'd done that in a game with stakes that would have been you know a, a, a like a really that would have been like jeff cowan level you know, like I, I, that would have been a part of Canucks lore. It was so good. I would love to have heard him say post game, like, "Yeah, I picked my spot on the back of his uh, helmet plate there." <laughs> <laughs> but I'm with you. You you mentioned it earlier. Like, you know, if we're giving credit for try, there's been a fair bit of try in that Gravac line lately. Like Daniel Wagner asked Travis Green about it the other day, where. You know, they didn't score, but they softened the other defense. The Canucks were able to make a change in one of the home games, and then the Canucks came out, and I think it was the Nate Schmidt goal, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. And it was the, you know the follow up shift, but a lot of the groundwork, the, the dirty work, had been done by that Gravac line, and they don't get credit for it. It doesn't show on the score sheet, and, and that has been an issue at some point. You want to see some bottom line, but there has been a little bit of good, and maybe the bar has been lowered here. Uh, again, if these are the sorts of Maybe. takeaways that we're getting. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, when we're talking about Gravac, though, like, right. you know, I, I, I don't know that his skating will ever allow him to be anything more than, you know, a depth guy that can fill spots for you. Like, I, I don't know that he can be a full-time National Hockey Leaguer, but look, these are games that all these guys should be using to put everything they've got forward to try to make an impact we've been waiting for some of these guys to sort of step forward and so credit where it's due like i, I thought it was a good night and it's been a pretty decent week all things considered for Grayavac and his line mates yeah it has and and you know Highmore signed through next year at 725k Howard luck will re- require a qualifying offer Grayavac will be ufa but it you know so long as none of those numbers start with nine um i think you sh- i think those are t- the types of guys who are good to bring back just like you know, so long as none of them are higher than eleven or twelve on your forward depth chart, right? Like that's the pro- that's the key. Right now, that's the Canucks' third line, right? Like that's the problem. Um, but as organizational depth guys, like I have time for all of those guys. Highmore will be at the right price point. Um, you know, Howerluck can be pretty easily. He's you know not going to have a. I think he, I think he will have Arbrights, but it's not like he scored so. You know, I don't think he'll have, and and there there might be more there for me with with Howerluck. Like 
I, I do kind of think. I think he's played really safe this year. And then Grayovac, I mean, you know, first captain of the Abbotsford Arrows, like <laughs> Tyler Grayovac, <laughs> uh, could could be that guy. Uh, clearly, this coaching staff anyway has a ton ton of time for them. Although I'm not exactly sure we're betting on them being back at this point. So. Um, yeah, I mean, good for them. <laughs> look, what, what, look, if we're going to sit here and, and praise them, I mean, it has to be pointed out that in one night last night, one night in Edmonton with Howerluck and Grayevac scoring, they matched the offensive output. It didn't just double the bottom six's output for the season on the night. They matched the goal-scoring contributions of Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, and Louis Erickson this season. Right. And obviously, none of those three guys has played a complete year. Two of them are injured, probably not coming back, and Louis is on the taxi squad. But point is, we know how much money is tied up in those three, and in one night, you get contributions from uh, the bottom six that uh, certainly can play the role of those three next year. So, uh, again, for the record, we're just pointing that part out. 12, 12 million, by the way, in case anyone wanted to hear the number. Yeah. Um, I don't think those guys will represent 12 million in cap hit next year, though. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> Thanks for that. Hot take. Uh, they're the, going to, they're the, going to, they're g- over under, over under 2.5 buyouts for the Canucks this summer. Oh, ha- has to be, it has to be, has to be under, but it has to be at least two. Let's go 1.5. Over under 1.5. Oh, I hope it's over. I mean, I think Vertanen's a natch, and then take your pick of any of those other guys, right? Yeah. I think, I well, I wasn't even factoring Jake in. Um, so, yeah, oh. I mean, <laughs> I think, um, I think has to be over. Has to be over. Has to be. They have to get rid of multiple guys. <laughs> and, and I don't think they can trade them in the flat cap era, so. It's 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 time. They have to they have to exercise those buyouts. And and this management or this ownership group has been reluctant to do that. As we know, they they wouldn't do it last summer when it would have helped or last offseason when it would have helped this summer. There's really no option. There's some guys that just absolutely need to be bought out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24 seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We talk about uh, happiness and guarantees. Uh, Well, this week, it's uh, been a guarantee that Brock Bester is going to put the puck in the net three straight games and Tommy's to 20 on the season. A guy that scored 16 last year and I know it was tough for him and uh, he's talked about it at length, and he's tried to learn from it and try to bounce back. 20 is a significant number in a shortened season like this one, and there's still eight games to go. And, and look, we've seen him. I think he has four two-goal games. Like, 25 isn't out of the question. Those Calgary games, uh, who knows what they look like? Who knows what kind of defense he's going to face? Uh, who knows what kind of goaltending, if it's Louis Domingue? All those types of things. Like, 25's not out of the question it's a reach, but he's at 20 now, and uh, good on Brock Besser. That's uh, it's turned out to be a pretty good year for him. He's played exceptionally well, right? And I think he's had a lot of jump this year, too. Like, I don't just think it's the goals. Um, you know, this has been... he's He's been probably the brightest spot 
for the Canucks, I think. And and I don't think by a little bit. Like, I think by a fair bit. So, no, good for him, man. I mean, Brock Besser's a hell of a player. Um, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not shocked by this by any means. In fact, it's one of the very few predictions that Harmon and I made before the season um, that looks like it'll pan out. <laughs> we, we, we're, I mean... It's going to be ugly. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know, Quinn Hughes will earn a Norris Trophy nomination. No, but uh, but Brock Besser hitting 20 goals. Brock Besser will be a 20 goal scorer again, despite a shortened season. Was one of our predictions. Um, at least that one panned out. So you know, we're one for ten. <laughs> no, we had a we had a couple. Let's go over this. It's funny. Um. Elias Pettersson will finish above point per game for the first time in his career. He's five points below, so no, but we didn't anticipate the injury. Hughes will earn a Norris nomination. No, the Besser one. We got that. Schmidt will be one of the five most valuable defensemen in Canada. No, uh, by, but I mean, Darnell Nurse will be the best defenseman in Canada is not a prediction I would have made either. <laughs> no. By by midseason, Thatcher Demko will take over as the clear 1A by Braden Holpe. We got that one right. Um. Niels Hoaglander and Ole Olevi are not next in the line of Canucks super rookies. I think we got that right. That's fair to say. Um, Horvat will lead the Canucks in goal scoring. Uh, nope. I think uh, the, the, the Patterson injury actually had a huge impact there, in my opinion. The power play will remain elite despite some regression from PP2. Don't think so. No. Vertanen will not score at a 20-goal pace. Nailed it. And <laughs> Yes, you and, did. And the Canucks will make the playoffs. Ouch. Ooh. Ouch. Is that three? That um, I think that was three. Yeah, three of three of ten. That's okay. I mean, the Hoaglander one, when you said Hoaglander and Ulevi, like, super rookie, no. I mean, there was that early hype that he was going to be another rookie of the year finalist. That's not going to happen. But, nope. again, we touched on ten goals and 24 points as a rookie. Like, nothing. Nothing wrong. Like, no, been it's tremendous. Terrific. But that was the point. We, I mean, we yes. were like, these guys could be good, but they're not Hughes and Pedersen, like, tap the brakes. Um, that was a good prediction, but the rest of them, yeah, no good. Well, there is one steak that's only available by special request. Uh, we call it uh, sirloin a lot. It's uh, the size of a boogie board. Ooh, I'll have that one. And a drink? Meatballs. Very good, sir. Uh, I need Besser to be shut down for the rest of the season now, because he's a 20, and that was my number. Right. You had him at 21. So his Perfect. next one, even though I talked about a 25-goal pace, uh, things swing to your side if he scores one more goal. So right. I need one more. I need one so more, I, and, and so I'd, I'd like him to for, leave it there. No, see, I'd vote for him just to shut things down now. But I really Give need some, Horvat. Like, I really need Horvat to get, like, a bunch here. Yes, you do. I and don't think time that's going to Time's ticking. No, with eight games to go. Without, uh, that, bumper, without that bumper spot, it's just not going to happen. PD leaving the lineup is very bad for Bo, Bo Horvat's goal, goal production, even though they rarely play together five on five. It's weird, but it's true. No, but it makes sense on the power play. Certainly the power yeah. play has missed Elias Patterson. And, you know, eight games to go, they're out on the road. And I know they're in Western Canada. Guys could jump on a plane, I suppose. Although still with quarantine rules, uh, they can't fly commercially. So I would have to think that guys that are out of the lineup and aren't on this road trip are essentially done for the season well okay so the bonus thing let's come back to this yeah so the bonus thing Elias Pettersson who I believe to be getting pretty close at this point personally um Elias Pettersson is at 26 games right so if he plays two more games he'll immediately become eligible for a time on ice bonus and like he'll immediately qualify basically for points per game bonus and a and a time on ice bonus. That, those will happen immediately. Additionally, if he scores four goals over the balance of the season, um, he would qualify for an additional one. And there may be another one that he could get to, but uh, but those are the three that look to me to be unsettled at this point. So we're talking about you know the possibility of four hundred fifty k in his pocket, four hundred fifty k cap hit for the Canucks next season. Um, and definitely 300k if he can play two more games. So, you know, never count a guy out in these circumstances. Like, never count a guy out from making a surprise return when there's that much money on the line is, is sort of a rule 
um, that you know I don't think fans and, and media talk about a lot, but it but it's true. Um, you know, if he returned Sunday May sixteen, Tuesday May eighteen, and then he could potentially play May nineteen. If he's looking at that and he's like, if I can come back and score four goals in those three games, right, then this will have been worth five hundred k to me almost. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not betting against seeing Elias Pettersson again this season. That's, that's my view of it. Sharps well, bet Elias Pettersson back May 16. Um, just reading between the tea leaves, I'd expect him to at least do everything he can and try, uh, to make it back for those three. Well, we heard Travis Green said the other day, like he's working hard behind the scenes. So that kind of got my ears up because in my mind, I thought, what's the point? It's a contract year for him. Like, does he want to come back and run the risk of further damage. But what I really thought was, like, if this losing streak had gone from 6 to 8 to 10 to 12, like, nobody wants that on on their watch, right? Like, Travis doesn't want that as he's looking for work, whether it's here or elsewhere. And the players don't want to wear that. And I thought, man, like, if this losing streak was to wear on and there was a chance Elias Pedersen could come back, obviously they're way better with him in the lineup. But that was kind of my thinking. And then they got their win last night. So... Uh, you know, I don't imagine that there's going to be a lot of wins uh, the rest of the way, but I, I was just I was happy for them that they got out from under the black cloud of losing for a night, and we'll see where it goes. Like I'm sure the Oilers will be ramped up and looking for revenge. Although McDavid, they, McDavid's going to go off on Saturday night, like McDavid getting to hundred on off, Saturday he went night off last night. I know he, he did. With, like so, he goes he, off every he night. Combined, like he combined. He combined. He combined with Dreisaitl for the 87 Canada Cup goal, except with a stretch pass from the goalie to set it up. Like, unbelievable. Yeah, no, McDavid's insane. So he needs his four. I don't, I mean. Yeah, he's going to do everything he can. He had four on Monday night. He had four on the road on Monday night. You're going to get bounce back McDavid on Saturday night. I think he does it. He's certainly, I mean, he's getting to 100 and then some. It's just a question of when. And you're right, it could come Saturday uh, there's still another game left against the Canucks, uh, you know, so it could happen against them uh, beyond this one. But no, I mean, that's one of the things, certainly, that the hockey world is going to be watching on Saturday when the Canucks and the Oilers get back at it one more time. <laughs> I can't and I believe just- they play again. I can't believe they play again in eight days in addition to on Saturday. That's insane, man. Sure. But so is like the Flames... The Flames are in a week now where they have one game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they play Ottawa on Sunday in a game that actually oh. has that has significance in the standings if the Flames want to finish ahead of Ottawa. If that, I mean, I'm sure they do, but it, it's not playoff implication or anything. But, but it, like, you know, we've talked about the Canucks in this crazy schedule post-COVID. Well, yeah, I mean, it had to be because the Canucks were off for a month. But how does it affect Calgary? Calgary's got one game this week. It's against Ottawa on Sunday. And then most teams are done. The ones that are going to the playoffs are ramping up, but some teams are finished. Flames have to hang around. And then they got four left against the Canucks. Like, what a weird way to finish the season for the Calgary Flames. And it looks like, so that Saturday, May 15th game against the Edmonton Oilers, that's the date that the playoffs are going to start in the States. So you're going to have a Saturday hockey night where it's like, Zidane Ochara returns to Boston. Or the Battle of the I-5. Or, sorry, not the I-5. The um, Alligator Alley commences an all-Florida playoff series. And then in the late game, Canucks-Oilers. It it means nothing. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Like, fundamentally, those last four games being played after the playoffs have begun elsewhere. Awful. Like, cruel. Truly cruel. A cruel thing to subject Canucks fans and this team to. In my opinion, like these players, this coaching staff, just just awful, and and will cheapen the product. I th- I think those games are going to be really weird to talk about and cover, JPAT. But I mean, whatever, really weird to talk about and cover for most. For us, that's like where we live. Like, bring it on. Hey, can we talk quickly about the draft lottery? I want to talk yeah. quickly about the draft lottery. Sure. So, the Canucks usually at this point in the season, right? And I see some of it. I see some of the old, oh, now is when the Canucks go on a winning streak and yeah. ruin their draft lottery odds. Uh, I think that's Taj, right? Taj, the, the leader of, of Tank Nation. Uh, the Canucks are 25th. So they're, I mean, they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, but 25th by point percentage. So they've got a lot of work to do to really get down into the dregs. Um, you know, uh, teams like Detroit and New Jersey are only two points ahead of them and have two games left the Canucks have eight games left they're gonna win a few 
So, like, I don't think they're going to get realistically into the bottom five, but they could get close. Um, they will. They they will be close. I don't think they'll quite get to the bottom five, though. Um, that's fine. That's fine. It doesn't matter. This year, more than any other year, JPAT being number one or number two or number six doesn't matter because usually guys have played, and I mean guys, top prospects have played ninety games in their draft eligible season. And when you play ninety games in your D, your first draft eligible season, you have ch- a chance to do like what Tyler Sagan did and cement yourself as one of the best prospects, right? Or or what have you. Like you have a chance to separate the two or three best players have those those 90 games of runway to show that they're one of the best. Like Owen Powers able to separate from Brant Clark and Luke Hughes, right? This season that hasn't happened. And and granted, like there's a chance that it would have been vice versa, right? If you'd if you drafted the Oleo Levy class, right? This time, this time, um, in this season, like if they'd gone through that, like Patrick Lyonnais, probably, I mean, he would have had the World Juniors, so he he probably would have still been a strong prospect. But let's go, Pierre Luc Dubois. No chance Pierre Luc Dubois would have had the runway to jump over Jesse Pugliarvi in that draft class. And there's zero percent chance that uh, Chick- uh, Chikorin, uh, Jacob Chikorin, who went to the Arizona Coyotes ultimately in like the late teens. Um, would have not been selected in the top five. Like he would have for sure been a top five pick, right? Things change a lot over the course of a hockey season, especially where a draft class is concerned. This year that hasn't had it, like there, there just hasn't been a ton of settlement. So like we don't know really who, like there is no consensus number one overall. I mean, I guess it's Owen Power, but it's sort of with a shrug. This year more than any other year, drafting five versus one doesn't come with the same significant marginal boost uh, in value cost to the team at the top or to the team that wins the draft lottery this year, more than any other, the Canucks going on a, on a bit of a winning streak here. uh, Should they do so um, does not harm their long-term sort of, you know, outlook. So Canucks fans, in my view, anyway, should be rooting for this to end as like as, as painlessly as possible for all involved. Um, Wins are not harmful for this club's long-term prospects, unlike in so many other of the other sort of meaningless seasons that Canucks fans have watched over the years. All right. Can I say this, that I've seen a lot of, you know, lose for Hughes, right? Like there's people that are locked on, on, on Luke Hughes and that's fine. If Luke Hughes is the best player available when the Canucks are up and it's their turn to draft, take them. That's fine. But this idea that, you have to have Luke Hughes because you've got Quinn Hughes and somehow you know, <laughs> this is going to be magic. Yeah. Like it's not they're Daniel both and Henrik. They're both lefties. They're, but not, they're, not, not a, they're not identical twins. They haven't played together throughout their lives. It's not recreating Daniel and Henrik. 99% of the guys that play in the National Hockey League don't get to play with their brothers. And so, <laughs> but Quinn will, Quinn but, will be just fine. But j this is the Canucks. This is the Canucks, right? Like I understand. I get that. I, um, well, yeah. What's Jack Capuano's brother's name again? Dave. Dave. Jack and Dave. Russ and Jeff. Henrik and Daniel. Like the Canucks do brothers better than anyone. <laughs> and how's that? And how's that worked for them outside of the twins? How's well, that Ru- Russ for, and Jeff no, Cortnall. No, you're right. Fabulous I, I, here. No, together. you're right. I, but I'm just saying in terms of like putting together a Stanley Cup winner. Oh, well, you, sure. You, you can bring all the brothers you want. I'll take a team that's not related. <laughs> 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 if it delivers a Stanley Cup here, finally. But I just yeah. this idea that people are going to be upset if the Canucks don't get Luke Hughes. And I'm like, just don't. Don't like that's a crazy line of thinking. It, it, like, you know, again, if he's the best player available when they're on the clock, fine. But if they're reaching just because they want Quinn's brother, like I think Quinn has shown on his own that he's capable of being a pretty damn special hockey player. And I don't know. Like, you know, I'm not saying Quinn wouldn't want his brother, but that's out of his control. And if they get the brother, like to me, I don't know that you're getting this boost for Quinn just because they draft his younger brother. No, but... So maybe I'm shitting on a good storyline. Yeah, but- <laughs> well, but also, but also, what does what does it do in terms of helping you in contract talks? 
is there an angle there to be played? And does the marginal value of picking Luke Hughes over, you know, a, a comparable player come out in the wash if it helps you retain Quinn Hughes long term? Is there is that it does that move you at all? I don't not like I don't know enough about the family dynamic. Like they seem tight, they seem like all good young guys, but I don't know. Like to some guys, it would mean a ton to have their brother. I, I can't say that with certainty that it would impact Quinn, you know, and his on ice performance. Yeah, I just don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. But well, here's the other. Here's the other hot take: is that um, Brant Clark's the guy that fits best because he's a righty, sure. right? Owen Power and um, and uh, Luke Hughes are both lefties. So does it make sense for the Canucks considering they've got Rathbone and Hughes and Yolevi? Add a, add a high leverage or like a high value righty to the stable in a guy like Brant Clark. I don't know. My my view is just take the best guy. This team needs so much in so many different areas. <laughs> just take the best guy. And if it's if it's Luke Hughes, take him. Guys, guys, point per game, point per game for the U.S. National Development Team. Granted, it was a weird season. I don't yeah. think you can you can't look into anyone scoring this year. And by the way, I think this is something that. Canucks that the Canucks are aware of, especially with a guy like Gadjevich, right? In looking at his goal scoring, and Gadjevich looks like he'll join this club shortly, the, uh, like on Sunday, right? Right after the Edmonton game, the yeah. team will fly to Winnipeg. He's Monday been lapsing night. his quarantine there. He'll he'll be with the club, um, and I I bet he'll get in. I think he'll get in, and yet you know, for all that the goal scoring record looks good, like this is not your usual AHL. This is the AHL with the 12 best players removed from every game, right? Because they're on taxi squads. Um, Gadjevich has apparently improved his skating. I think the Canucks are pretty excited ab- about the work he's done to identify who he can be as a pro. Um, but, you know, restrain your expectations. The The goal scoring that we saw from him needs to be taken with a hefty dose of salt. Yeah, and I wonder, like, you know, do they plug him in on Monday night? Do they let him sit and watch an NHL game in person on Monday and then go Tuesday night? Like, cool, Lynn played after being off for two months. So uh, a week quarantine isn't going to be the end of the world for Jonah Gadjevich, but I'm just kind of curious to see how they handle, um, you know, I guess it depends, too, how many healthy bodies do they have by the time they get to Winnipeg. So there are some other circumstances at play here. But, yeah, I think we're going to see Jonah Gadjevich make his NHL debut and it should be pointed out, the minute that Gadjevich steps on the ice, Tom, that's the top five picks for the Vancouver Canucks from that 2017 draft that will have played in the NHL within four years of draft day, right? Like Pedersen, Lynn, Gadjevich, Rathbone now, and Mike DiPietro. Right. So... And that's sorry, that's the twenty seventeen class. Seventeen. Yeah. And 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 this is the other this is the other one to note, right? Is like if you played for the Cape Cod Whalers, which Rathbone did and his dad was the coach of that team, and Aiden McDonough did, um, you know, there's a, there's a certain former Canucks director of amateur scouting, right, who's like, you know, uh you know, his family owns chains of restaurants out in Cape Cod, right? Like <laughs> Rathbone's as pure a Judd Brackett pick as you get, right? Like that is in his backyard. Um, the 2017 draft was sort of the first after the you know Canucks consolidated their draft process uh, following 2016. Um, something Trevor Linden wasn't happy with at the time. Um, does this sort of conveyor belt that we're seeing? And that's continued to churn good value for the Canucks up to 2019. Like that 2020 draft class, and granted they didn't have a pick in the first or the second round, is looking barren. JPAT, like none of those guys look like probable future NHLers or even guys to write home about in terms of their chances. Um, I do think there still remains a question of what and how effective and how efficient Vancouver's amateur drafting, which was a strength of this organization for a decade or for a half decade, uh, something that's not been true historically, how that looks in the post bracket era. And their first real sort of our first real look at it is going to be this weird well, well, 2020. I mean, none of those picks were early at all, but the 2021 draft class is going to be one of the most uncertain of all time um, with tremendous opportunity and tremendous downside for all teams involved. And the Canucks are sort of an unknown in terms of how confident we should be about their drafting ability as an organization. 
uh, going into it. So that's going to be a fascinating story to watch unfold for me. Yeah, and we'll certainly devote uh, lots more attention to the draft once the season is done, and uh, you know we'll cover it off as you would expect, as the VIPs would anticipate we would here at the VanCast. Hey, a Vancouver connection to uh, the full 60 next week here at The Athletic. Former Canuck Eddie Lack is joining Craig Custance. Never know what awesome. you're going to get from Eddie, but usually a good time. So uh, you want to uh, have a listen to that. That's Eddie Lack with Craig Custance on the full 60 at The Athletic. Taco uh, Tuesday on the on the full 60. <laughs> I suppose so. Uh, also, check out our comment section. For every podcast episode that drops, you can do that. Every episode has its own comment section at The Athletic app. Uh, we check that out. We listen to the feedback and uh, love to hear what you have to say about the episodes that we've done. Rate and subscribe to the VanCast on Apple. And if you're not already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash VanCast. Receive a subscription for just $3.99 a month. And I should mention, too, I, I saw my renewal came up. Uh, I'm a VIP. I, Thanks, I bud. Probably, we appreciate your support. Some, I, should, I guess before I, we got into the VanCast, I was a subscriber and I just saw that my renewal was there. So... Uh, uh, I, I, I hadn't thought about that, but I can consider myself a VIP uh, because I'm paying for the content. Well, we're happy. Uh, we're happy. We're happy to have you. <laughs> Good. That means a lot. <laughs> I appreciate. As does that. your support, JPAT. Yes, Thank you. And I, I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate my mom and everybody's mom. It's Mother's Day weekend. So I know. We'll get Make up sure there. to yeah, yeah. Go, go do something safe outside with your mom. Come on. Yeah, gather around in the backyard. Pop on the van cast. Big family experience. <laughs> who's who? Who's from Cape Cod? <laughs> he like, how does he like Koskinen? What? Koskinen's shit. <laughs> I think his Mike Smith takes bad. He's been really good this year. All right. I think we know when it's, when it's time Mom. to say. <laughs> Mom! <laughs> Time to go. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Uh, for Drancers, Jay Pat, as always, thanks for your support uh, of the VanCast. It means a lot. Uh, you can find us here at The Athletic and theathletic.com. Mom, let's go. Let's go.